0: Some of you, and some of you may not, remember the popular HBO drama, The Sopranos. It was about a modern-day mob boss in New Jersey named Tony Soprano. He looked just like any other mob boss in any mob movie, to give you the picture. And the show began with Tony on top of his game. He was a middle-aged man who had did what it took to rise to the top of his chosen profession, let us say. And he's now enjoying the fruits of his labor with an upper-middle-class home and a leafy suburb and a new sports car. But then one day from out of nowhere, one day when Tony is out watering his lawn, I think, the world starts to spin and dim. His breath becomes short, and he falls to the ground, unconscious. He wakes up in the hospital, and the doctors um, tell him uh, something that he didn't expect. He assumed that he had had a heart attack, but the doctors tell him, no, it wasn't that. Instead, it was a panic attack. The doctors try to explain that it's fairly common, that panic can cause many of the same symptoms as a heart attack, but and they refer him to see a therapist. Tony won't have this. He is the boss. He's a tough guy. He's not afraid of anything, he thinks. He never panics. He's certainly not going to any shrink. But the condition doesn't stop. The attacks keep coming, they get worse. And soon he's also having nightmares that can only be described as hellish. Finally, he gives in and admits to himself, although not to anybody else, that he needs help and he goes to see a therapist. The show's six seasons are sort of structured around their regular meetings. And the therapist, you might say, Or you might not say helps him. She does what she's trained to do. She prescribes him some medication, she teaches him some breathing exercises, she helps him talk through and cope with the roots of his panic and anxiety. And Tony manages to get some control over his panic attacks. He becomes a reasonably well-adjusted, emotionally healthy, non-anxious mob boss. Of course, he is still responsible for extorting and killing countless people in the tri-state area. He's a mob boss. It's a high-pressure career. What can we say? His therapist never suggests to him that his panic or his nightmares might have something to do with a guilty conscience. It never comes up. She never says that what she does is good for many people, ...who have non-mob boss reasons for experiencing panic attacks... ...but she never suggests that he might need something more than a therapist can offer. No one ever tells Tony, as far as I recall... ...over the course of the show that he needs to repent... ...and that unless he does, he will perish. And Tony never does. His wife, Carmel wasn't the mob boss, but she was, as they say in the movies, married to the mob. She'd never stolen anything or killed anyone, but she realized years ago that her husband wasn't really just in the sanitation business. She knew. And yet, she chose to pretend like the whole thing wasn't real. She was actually a pious woman. She went to church every Sunday, and her priest is no more help to her throughout the course of the show than the therapist is to Tony. When she starts confessing to him one day her guilty conscience about being implicated in Tony's crimes, he quickly changes the subject. He, too, chooses to pretend like it isn't real. Stay with him for the sake of the family, he says to her. It's your job to be a wife and mother, and what your husband does is, well, that's his business. Between him and God. Carmela finally goes to a therapist of her own, an old man in the city, and he gives her the only real confrontation with the truth that she ever gets. First, he says, "I won't take your money. It's blood money." Second, he says, "Divorce your husband. As long as he's a mob boss and as long as you stay with him, you have blood on your hands. Do it now don't make excuses. In effect, he says to her, unless you repent, you will perish, just like he will. Well, Carmela gets all offended. She's shocked, shocked that someone would say that kind of thing to her. She's a good woman. She goes to church. Well, she makes her excuses. She had her chance to repent, but she doesn't take it. but you won't be surprised to know that I think this show is brilliant. I think it's trying to show us in story form that what the Bible says, that what Jesus says this morning is true. The wages of sin is death, and unless you repent, you will perish. It's trying to show us that this is true even in a world that avoids talking about judgment and sin. Tony's therapist Doesn't confront him with his sin. She helps him become more well adjusted to his chosen life path and personal values, even though those values happen to be making money by killing people. Carmilla's priest doesn't tell her to repent, although, of all people in the world, it ought to be his job. He's probably afraid of offending her, of coming off as judgmental and hurting her feelings. Maybe he doesn't want her to get angry. Maybe he wants to preserve the relationship to keep her happy or to keep her giving to the church. I don't know. The fact is, though, that between the two of them, the therapist and the priest are doing nothing more than help Tony and Carmela avoid confronting the sins that they have built their lives on. In the short term, the therapist and the priest are avoiding painful, difficult conversations, they're avoiding hurt feelings and broken relationships. Like the title of another great TV show, they are helping Tony and Carmella keep up appearances. It might seem like the kind, non-judgmental approach to take, but it's really the worst, least loving thing they could do. The show tries to tell us that in a way, Tony and Carmela are already in hell one that they have built for themselves. Tony's hellish nightmares about who he's killed and what he's done show that somewhere deep down he already knows this. When the show begins, Tony doesn't have a lot of time left, although he doesn't know it yet. And then the dramatic question behind everything in the show becomes, will he or won't he repent? he repent or will he perish in the hell that he has built for himself? <clears throat> we get the idea sometimes that to say that Jesus is love is kind of like the same thing as saying that Jesus is nice, non-offensive. Like the gospel is something like God going around to everyone saying, I love you, don't go changing one bit. Well, of course, Jesus does love each of us. As the song says, just as we are without one plea. But the only way to sustain the belief that Jesus doesn't want us to change is to never read the Bible. Because in the Bible, Jesus is constantly going around telling people to repent. St. Mark boils down Christ's whole message to this sentence The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's it. You might say that the trouble that Jesus gets himself into is he doesn't know when to stop telling people when to repent. Most people get the message after a while if they don't want to hear it, but Jesus doesn't get the memo. He tells everyone to repent, and he keeps it up. He tells the government to repent, and he tells the religious establishment to repent. And a good rule of thumb that you can take from this, by the way, is that powerful people in the government and cultural establishments don't like being told to repent. They tend to get angry. They tend to fight back. And they'll kill you if you keep it up. Now, you and I might not be quite so powerful as Pontius Pilate and the temple high priests were, but it's true, isn't it, that no one likes being told to repent. I don't like it any more than you do. I make excuses. I say things like, well, you don't understand the pressure that I'm under. I might say that. Or I might say, you're not being fair. You're just trying to hurt me or prove that you're better than I am. Virtue is You don't understand. You don't have a right to say that. Or how dare you say that to me. That's hurtful. I'm so offended. That you would even suggest that I'm the kind of person who would do something like that. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It's your fault. I wonder if you've ever heard words like this. Or if you've ever said them yourself. When you said them, do you think today that you were being fair? Or, in part at least, were you lashing out because someone had told you the truth? Of course. It's so often true, isn't it? When we hear those kinds of words, we're defensive because someone really is trying to hurt us. That happens a lot. People really can just be saying things like that to tear us down, not really saying them in love. People can be unfair. They can fail to try to understand us and what we're going through. I think that we live in a world today where many of us have our defenses up for good reasons. Paradoxically, this is a paradox, I think... Our culture claims to be non-judgmental and tolerant on the one hand, while at the same time, on the other hand, we're loudly judging and denouncing each other all the time. Why that is, I don't claim to understand, but I feel it sometimes. I wonder if you do too. What would happen, though? What would happen if there were someone who knew and understood me so well that nothing he said about me was unfair or untrue? What if there were someone who understood me better than I understand myself? What if there were someone who confronted me in my sin not to tear me down, but to show me that what I'm doing will wind up destroying everything that really matters in my life? my resistance to what he says isn't because it's unfair or hurtful but because I don't want to give up a sin that I don't know how to live without or because I'm too proud to admit that I'm wrong what if this person is the kind of person from whom no secrets are hid who already knows exactly what I've what I've done exactly what I've thought in my inmost heart so that none of my attempts to hide and lie and defend and make excuses will do any good anyway. What if this person knows all of this and loves me just the same and stands ready to forgive and has done everything that needs to be done to reconcile me to God and cleanse me of every sin and make me brand new, born again, beloved child at home. What if this person is here now, calling you to repent today and to come home? What if he gave you his very life for the forgiveness of your sin and can give you his word that even if you have no idea anymore how to turn around and make things right in your life, That he can promise that all shall be well, that all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. This person is Jesus, who says to us this day, repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. Amen, Amen.